Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Take your Bible this morning. Turn to the book of Numbers and the book of Joshua. Book of Numbers and the book of Joshua. I'd like to start a series about families today. Next several weeks, we're going to talk about different parts, different aspects of family, whether it be uh, young, raising young children, whether it be being single, whether it be how to date, how not to date, um, older, those when you're in your golden years. And, and so there's so much that we can talk about, but the goal is that we grow families of faith, families that are strong in their love for God, families that worship together, families that pray together. It makes all the difference in the world because family is important to me, and I know it's important to you, but to be able to grow in, in this walk of faith with people that God's giving you is such a privilege. And let's, the Bible has so much to say about it, so let's get started. I, I'm going to talk to you to something that may seem a little bit odd today, starting out, but I want to talk to you about the older generation. It's those that, that, that are maybe grandmas and grandpas those great uncles and those great aunts, those ones that have walked the roads of life and they've really had the opportunity to see the seasons come and go and, and watch God move and then they want to pass that down, that, that experience and that faith to another generation. They may be single, they may be married, they may be widowed, but it's just a stream of wisdom that God puts in a family so that we can walk this road together. See, there's some people that have gone on before me. There's some people that live are older than me and they've had some experiences in God that I hadn't have, but they're so gracious and kind, they're willing to share that so that I don't make the same mistake or that I have the same victory that they had. It's the same way that God is. How I many know that's how God is? He's been down the roads of life. <laughs> He's been there before. It doesn't matter what generation you are. It doesn't matter what, what, what age you are. God's been somewhere where you are right now, and he knows the direction that you're supposed to take and the advice that he, you need to hear. My pat answer today for people that when they, when they have direction questions, you know, what do I do? My first question is, well, what did God say? What is he speaking to you? Because he knows where you're going to go and where you need to go. And so I'm thankful for those people that, have, that, are, that are older in my family, those that are giving me godly advice. And so today I want to talk to you about the power of the old, older family member. The power of the older family member. If I can take you in... in to, to the story of Caleb in the Bible. He's in the book of Numbers, if you can, in chapter 12. I'm not going to read it to you today, but I just want to tell you the life story of Caleb so that will help you to, um, to understand his particular place in this topic today. He was one of the two people that went into the promised land when they sent spies in, that God had sent in to see how things were there, kind of to prepare the children of Israel from going in to take the land. And he was one of the two that came back and gave a good report. You remember the story? Twelve went in. Ten came back, said, we can't do it. Giants too big, walls too thick, it's just too much, we can't do it, we're too small in their eyes. Joshua and Caleb came back, they said, look, we can do it. Listen, I know we're small and I know the giants are big and I know the walls are thick, but one thing you can go ahead and believe is that if God's for us, we can go in today and take the land. So he had some, some wisdom about him. He spoke the wisdom of the day. And I thank God for people in my life and my family that speak the wisdom of the day from God. 
Because all the wisdom in the world today is not wisdom from God. Did you get that? Everything that comes down as, as advice is not advice that comes from God. Sometimes we think in this culture we live in that older people, that they're outdated. We live in this world that thinks that they're really not with the times, that they're old, that, that they really don't have anything to say. But I'm here to tell you, God anoints and equips older members of your family to be a beacon and a light for your home and your house. James chapter 4 tells us that, that, that the friendship with the world is enmity with God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God, and there is advice in this world that is not of God. But God many times brings godly saints of God, godly older men and women who be, are able to separate from the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, and then they pass it down to me and to you, the next generation. It's the hundred-year flood. It's the story where the city that had the, the levee around it and that people put it around there to protect the city from the flood. And the next generation comes and they begin to think, you know what, we can't see very good. This, this levee, it blocks our view of the river. It blocks our view. Let's do this. Let's take the dirt from the levee and let's put it in our gardens. Let's remove the levee and let's put it so that we can make pretty flowers around our houses. And that generation doesn't understand why the levee was there to begin with. And then the hundred-year flood comes and it washes the city away. And that older generation was saying, you need to keep the levee there. That older group of people that said, look, the, there's going to come a time where the flood's going to come. That older group of people, the wisdom that they gave was good advice and good wisdom. Because you never know when the hundred-year flood's going to come. That's the purpose, a purpose of the person in the family who's that older godly member. They've been around the experiences of life. They've seen the seasons. They know what to look for. And they love the people in their family so much they're willing to tell them so that they're not washed away by the flood. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Thank God for all the people, my grandmas and grandpas and great uncles and great aunts who have been a, a beacon of source of, of knowledge to a family and kept them from lots of heartache and hurt. Because in the world we live in, there's not always, let me say it again, there's not a bunch of good advice out there. Sometimes good advice and wise counsel is, is, in, is, in, is in dire, dire need. There's some terms today that are called the woke culture, the cancel culture, intolerance. Those are buzzwords that are used in our community, that's used in our culture. And it's the world's wisdom. It's not the wisdom that's necessary for the child of God. Let me give you some examples and just read to you about the woke culture. It says, in the years leading up to 2021, the national conversation in the United States was dominated by issues related to what has become known as wokeness. It was added to dictionaries in 2017's it's slang for awake, and it means literally to be awoke to social issues, racism, discrimination, injustice. Some of the goals of the woke culture are to dissolve the nuclear family, abolish capitalism, eliminate religion, rewrite our constitution, and raise children that are gender neutral. Other actions by the woke culture, such as canceling movies, cartoon characters, and defunding law enforcement. And all these, they say, are because the system is unfair and we want to wake you up so that we can have a more equitable, a more fair society. How many have just ever heard that particular term, topic of woke? It claims that the gender binary of man and woman is a social construct and that children should choose their own genders. How many know an eight-year-old is not cognizant enough to choose his own gender? 
and to make them give children, give children the opportunity to have puberty blockers and sex change surgeries and eliminate the parents' right for consent. Can I tell you, that is something straight from the pit of hell. In addition to promoting its agendas through the media and academia, the woke culture's other chief strategy is to further its cultural influence by, by, by political correctness. And political correctness was only about that, respect and civility in our day-to-day -day interactions and a commitment to equity. No reasonable person would oppose it, but as the case with many other movements, trends, and teachings, they can be co-opted to bring to serve a negative agenda. Another term is the term of tolerance. And that's in the line of social justice. The woke culture attacks anyone that holds differing views. The whole, there's, a, there's a, an idea in the world that we want to be tolerant of everybody's beliefs. We want to have just the ability to, to be able to look at other people's uh, other beliefs and not oppose them. That's called tolerance. The problem with tolerance is the people that have opposing views to Christian are not tolerant of the Christian's views. So we can be tolerant with them, but then when it comes to us being them to be tolerant of us, it doesn't happen. They see everything through the lens of racism, of sexism, of homophobia, xenophobia, transphobia. It's an effective smokescreen because they conveniently apply those labels to anyone who challenges them. And this idea of we got to accept everybody has seeped into the church, seeped into our churches in America and around the world. And they'll say things like, don't be so dogmatic. Don't be so black and white. There's some things in the Bible that are really gray and you just kind of have to figure it out on your own. Don't tell me what the Bible says about certain hot topics, about transgenderism or LGBTQ or abortion. Don't tell me what the Bible says about burning people's businesses down in the name of social justice. Don't preach to me about lying or cheating or adultery or alcohol because the thing is, is let me just do what I want to do and walk in the grace of God. And every one of those topics I just explained are mentioned in the Bible, and God is really clear on them. He's not gray-areed on, on those things. He's very honest when it comes to those particular issues. But what a pastor will not preach those things, even though he secret believes them, can I tell you, he's become a charlatan, and he is a for-hire minister that just does it for the money. Any minister that won't talk, tackle those issues, can I tell you, they are a minister that will have to answer to God one day. There are churches in our community that will not talk about politics at all. They will not post anything on Facebook about anything controversial because they don't want to be involved in that part of the world. My friend, if you're not involved in that part of the world, what part of the world are you involved in? Because in the real world, there's things that we have to make a decision on, and the Bible's very clear on the decision that we as Christians are to make. God hasn't changed his mind about sexuality in, 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 since the beginning of time. God hadn't changed his mind about shacking up. He hadn't changed his mind about drunkenness. He hadn't changed his mind about lying and cheating. Matter of fact, he still believes that he sent Jesus Christ to die so that we could be free from those things and not live in them. He that the Son sets free is free indeed, and that's what God came to do is to set us free, not to give us a license to be involved in those things. Caleb didn't compromise what he believed. Because you remember, the majority was against Caleb. The majority said, look, we can't go in. And I think you have to understand, these guys, it's, this is real life. These guys are bigger than we are, and, and they, they, there's just no way. We don't have enough weaponry to, to overtake them. And, and the Bible even says that they even wanted to stone them. 
wanted to come against them to the point because they didn't believe that what he was saying was true. But years later, we all stand up and shout and go, praise the Lord for Caleb. He was one that stood up for God. But in that day, he was one that was preached. He was, he, he was, he was, he was uh, talked against. And see, that godly seasoned family member, let me speak to you for just a moment. Please don't stop telling the truth to your family, to your children, to your grandchildren. Please don't stop standing for righteousness before your family, before your children, before your grandchildren. Please don't compromise what is right, no matter what the culture of the world says. Your family is depending upon you to be that beacon and that light for the Word of God in your home and in the world. To the rest of the family, let me say this. Would you always give that person your ear? Would you always just keep an ear bent towards them because you know they give godly, godly advice? Will you always remember that they've walked some roads that we haven't walked yet? Did y'all notice how I'm putting myself in the category of the young people in this particular story? They've walked some roads that we haven't walked They care for us in a way that nobody else cares for us so much that they're willing to tell us the truth because they truly care about us and they truly want God's best. Let me say it again. Our families need that godly voice and that godly beacon and that wise counsel from our older people. That's what I'm talking about, y'all. Passing faith down from one generation to the other. Let me tell you, older, you seasoned men and women of God, family members, don't you stop telling the stories about what Jesus has done for you. Because one day it's going to get those grandbabies. It's going to get those great-grandbabies through the toughest seasons of their life because they remember the story of faith that grandma and grandpa told. Thank God. Thank God. Seasoned family members are always fighting God's battles. The one thing that ticks me off in this world, not one thing, but probably one of many things, is that when people discredit those men and women of faith, I've heard people say we're trying to grow you know, a millennial church. We want to get the young people. We do want to get the young people. Some say, well, we're trying to grow family churches, and we want to get those family members, and we want to. And I don't hear anybody saying, we're going to grow a church of 80-year-olds. Hallelujah. Because the thing is, is those are the people of faith that have walked the road that they could pass the baton off to a next generation. Caleb was that man. He says this in Joshua 14, 12. He says, now give me this hill, country, the Lord promised me on that day, because you heard then that the Anakim are there, as well as large fortified city. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has promised. He's 85 years old. He's got giants in front of him. They're a fortified city, and he still wants to fight. Give me a family. Give me a person that's still fighting battles for God when they're in their 80s. Give me that one that's fighting in prayer, that one that's fighting in service, that one that's not going to give up till every single one of their grandbabies, every single one of their kids, every single one of their brothers and sisters are in the kingdom of God. Because there's always one more mountain to win, y'all. You're not done yet. Wanda's done. She fought her last battle, and God promoted her to heaven. But me and you here, we still got breath in our body. Our hearts are still beating. So that means there's still some mountains to go get for the kingdom of God.
That means there's still some wars that we've got to win. Now, there's still some giants we've got to fight, and there's still some fortified cities we've got to get to, but that doesn't mean that that's going to stop us because God's still got a battle and a war for you and I to win. And thank God for those who are still fighting those battles today. Let me tell you something. You senior citizen, you're in your golden years. But those golden years are because these are golden years for you to win some battles for the kingdom of God. The greatest need in this church here today, I'm going to tell it to you right now, the greatest need in this body of believers today is prayer. Because nothing's going to move the ship like that. Nothing. And there's people that know how to get a hold of the horns of God. There are those that know how to pray until God shows up. And there are those of you that you've watched your grandmother or you watched your great-grandmother or you heard the stories of God moving by the hands of people who would pray. And I'm just calling upon you right now to don't give up praying and believing God for an outpouring of His Spirit on this day and upon this church. Don't stop believing that God's going to pour out on those babies in that building over there the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Don't stop believing that there's pastors and evangelists and missionaries in that nursery right now that somebody's loving and somebody's hugging and God's got to pray him. Somebody's got to pray him in until it takes place. We need you more than ever. We need you more than ever. It's the greatest need in our church. It's the greatest need in our families for you saints of God to pray. Don't ever think that you're not needed. Don't ever think that you're able to tell you you're needed more than ever because the seasoned family have great faith in God. And lastly today, seasoned family members, they're contagious. <laughs> they kind of get on you and you can't get them off of you. Caleb was a man of faith from the 12 spies. And the mountain he was going to take was called Hebron. And so he was a man of faith. And I want to read something to you in Joshua chapter 15, verse 13. Listen to how he does this. Some of you older guys, you may laugh at this. Joshua 15 and 13. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephthah, a portion in Judah, Kerath Abra, that is Hebron. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, so he drove them out, Shishai, Ammon, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. From there, he marched against the people living in Debir. And he said this, formerly called Kirasifer, and Caleb said, I'll give my daughter, Aksa, in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kirasifer, this particular city. And Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it, so Caleb gave his daughter to him in marriage. Here's the story. Caleb has this wonderful idea. It's one thing to work hard. It's another thing to work smart. So instead of him and going fight in this particular area, he says this. I tell you what, anybody that defeats this particular this this place and wins this city, I'll give you my daughter. And so Othiel gets this idea. Something stirs up on the inside of him and says, "You know what? I've watched Caleb. See, we're family." And I remembered the stories about when he was one of the 12 spies in, 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 um, in the promised land. And I remember how the faith he had then. And I remember how when just a few years back, just when he was in his 80s, he wanted to go get this land and he did it. And I've just seen the life of Uncle Caleb over and over and over again. And now he's asking me to step out in faith and go win that city. And here's the good news. I get his, his little daughter. And she's pretty. Because he wouldn't have done it if she was ugly, Right? He says she's pretty. And that faith that was in Caleb, and that faith was passed down to a son-in-law. And the Bible says Othniel went, and he delivered it, and he got that daughter. 
Because see, the thing is, faith in older, faith in that, that seasoned person is contagious to those around them. You can't help but get it on you. But it doesn't stop there. His daughter, in verse 18, one day when she came to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor. Since you have given me land and then to give, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. So the daughter of Caleb, they give her this land, but there's not much water there. She's trying to raise cows with no water. Don't work. So she says, look, we need some water. How about this? How about if I go ask my daddy if he'll give us these springs down there? And so she stepped out in faith, and she walked up to her daddy and said, look, we need the springs. See, the thing is, is the faith that he'd given her, the faith that had been passed down from generation to generation, she stepped out, and guess what? He gave her the springs. See, because the thing is, is this faith we're talking about, it passes down from one generation to the other. It's contagious. It just If you see somebody that believes God in the area of finances, you start believing God in the area of finances. If you see somebody who got touched by God and was healed in Jesus' name, you just want to go and pray and ask God to touch you in Jesus' name. If you see somebody that's beginning to serve in the nursery, you just want to go begin to serve in the nursery. Amen. I see those amens. There's something about faith that's contagious because, see, it doesn't stop there. I got one more, and I'll close. Caleb was the leader of the tribe of Judah, and he'd lived a life of faith. And we see here he's passing it down to the next generation and the next generation. And see, it didn't stop there because, see, the thing is, is it went all the way throughout time and throughout the generations until the birth of Jesus. Does anybody want to make a wild guess what tribe Jesus came from? He came through Judah. See, that faith that was in Caleb that was passed down, it didn't just stop with kids and grandkids. There's people generations down the road that are needing you moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to rise up and stand in faith today because there's going to be a world changer in the, in the, in the generations to come that, that your faith is going to affect. So let me tell you today, we're talking about families, and we're talking about those that and important people in families, and they're all, everybody's important, kids, uncles, aunts, everybody's important. But today, we want to start by talking about that aged, about that seasoned, about that man and woman of God who's fought some battles, and they're going to pass that down to another group of people. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.